Hello, everyone. George Watkins here on this Sunday night blessing time together. Thank you for coming by and <clears throat> joining us after a busy day. Some of you have been out to church and out to lunch <laughs> and then probably took a nap. Well, that was some of my busy days on Sundays over the years. So sea night has always been a wonderful time for me. And so that's why we've picked up this slot of <laughs> at six o'clock on Sunday night. And we're calling it the Sunday night blessing, just so we can gather together and speak of the good things of God. In doing so, we like to dig, <laughs> as they say, into the into the deep things. Well, deep or shallow, anything from God's always powerful. Sometimes, <clears throat> sometimes we uh, like to think we're really digging down until we meet someone that has gone farther than us, and we feel like we're starting over again. Did you ever feel that way? Well. <laughs> I have. And what it does for me, it spurs me on into hunger. I become hungry for more. Amen. And that's what God intended. He intended for testimonies, which really a, a good teaching ser sermon or a sharing from the pulpit or in a, in a gathering, a group gathering, someone sharing they're actually testifying of the good things of God. And a testimony is something that raises the level of faith for those that hear it. Amen. When you hear someone testify about a miracle, you say, yes, I know that's true. I believe it. And then it lifts your faith up, my faith up. When we hear someone testify, a good sermon or a teaching session is that same thing. My dad was my early and probably my greatest mentor because I lived with him and listened to his sermons and watched his life. As I came into my teenage years, I began to preach and travel, and he groomed me the best he could. He told me, son, don't tell them what you think. Tell them what you believe. And we had to do that with our young preachers that came through. Had a young man come through preaching, and he had a good word, except he never gave any windows into his life. It was always somebody else's life, or it was the scriptures, which you know, that's good. <laughs> you need to preach the scriptures. But when you're listening to someone speak, you need, to, you need to know their window. Open up a window and show us your joys and your victories. And yes, some of your stumblings so that you, you came through in, in victory. If you did, we can. Amen. Now, I'm not suggesting that we just unveil our deepest, darkest deeds. That's, that's between us and God. They're buried. I want to talk about that today in a minute. But just to, for way of encouragement <laughs> and to open up our time together, we are testifying of the good things of God tonight. All right. Well, if you're new on this Sunday night, 
journey. <clears throat> Thank you for coming by. And subscribe if it's something that's blessing you or you want to come back again because it will remind you we're here. Hit that bell right next to it on Facebook and then uh, or on uh, YouTube <laughs> and then on Facebook. You can uh, you can uh, like us and so forth. We've just started using Instagram so you can get our our uh, <clears throat> broadcast now, our dailies on Instagram at uh, instagram.com slash Dr. George Watkins. Instagram.com slash Dr. George Watkins. Something new. I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be a, 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 a good outlet for more people to hear some good encouraging words. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Well, our subject today is grace and mercy. Grace and mercy, the two, the two punch gift that God has given us called mercy and grace. Was listening to someone the other day and they made a comment about grace being the thing that brought us to Christ. Or I should say that gave us our forgiveness of sins. So I thought I'd go over some of these thoughts again on uh, the difference or the understanding or at least the meaning of mercy and grace and <clears throat> see if we can't catch a hold of the, uh, of the edge of this thing. That's about all we can do in most of our divine revelations is just get a piece of it and then God begins to add to it and multiply it and open it up further. <laughs> Isn't that some of the way it goes? Now, mercy. Mercy is that gift from God that f covers our sins. Mercy is the thing that forgave us. Mercy is the thing that we have. God has forgotten our sins. He says he's buried them, forgotten them, never to be remembered against us anymore. Now, if that's the case, and it is, then why do we remember them? How come after being born again for a a long time, because I've experienced all kinds of different encounters with people and my own journey along the way. How come after being born again and you know that you know, then you come to a place that you're not sure if you know, and then you feel guilty, and then you remember you remember a dark deed or a failure or some kind of uh, you know digression from walking with with God. Well, what is that? If God's forgot it and it's been buried and mercy has cleansed it or at least covered it and cleansed it and removed it, where does that come from? Well, I believe it comes from some deep, deep recesses of our soul that needs to be purged. And the purging power, the, the, the purging power, the cleansing power, the power that does the job is is the word grace. So it's grace is the enabling power to go forward in God and to be victorious. Grace is the enabling power to do the work of God. Mercy is that gift that did away with our past. So mercy and grace 
are God's two-punch knockout team. He hits us with mercy so that we can walk with grace. Now, I know the church, a lot of teachers have kind of reversed the thing. And they talk about the grace of God for this and the grace of God for that. And we have a a fresh revelation of grace that has swept the nation in the last 20, 30 years. And some great, powerful speakers have written some powerful books on grace. And then we have some of the uh, some of the ones that are a little slow on the uptake and they're criticizing the new revelation or the fresh revelation of grace. And they call it uh, excess grace. I don't know. I don't know. How do you get excess with God? How do you go too far with God? Now, I know you go too far with our thinking and our understanding. We know that. Paul said it's exceedingly abundantly beyond what we, not God, not God, but we can ask or think. So when you hear someone say something about a revelation that is excessive, Flip back 30 years to when the faith movement, the faith message, uh, 30, 40 years when it was really starting to cook. And the criticism that came, that's over the board, that's excessive, you're going too far. How can this be? Same words, same criticism. Every time God reveals something fresh to us as a people, bammo, here comes the ones that say, hey, what are you having a party for? You know, I've been out here working in the field. What are you so excited for? Get out here and plow the ground. Same thing. So this whole thought of mercy and grace, grace being emphasized in these last few decades, and we call it the grace movement now. And then, you know, the critic, the critics say excessive grace, and and then they say sloppy grace or greasy grace come along and say, well, I can do anything I want because I've got grace. All right. Everything that the church or the ecclesia, that's the body of Christ at large, men and women, just like you and I, that have a revelation of something spiritual, it's a developing process. Rewind a whole century in your in your theology, your reading and your understanding. Go back to the night the beginning of the 1900s and then go back another 20 years into the 80s, 1880s. And there were those that begin to have a revelation of faith and healing. And it was out of the 1880s that the the, the faith teaching and the healing teaching really begin to be formed. And it was in those days that uh, the the theology that was brought into the Pentecostal, uh, you know, explosion in 1901 and five and six and depends on where you were. It was 1901 in Wales, but in uh, Azusa Street, 1906. Okay, so that that theology of faith and teaching was brought into the Pentecostals, and they begin to work at it and work on it. Now, Marie Woodward Edder, she was not Pentecostal when she started. She had great healing meetings, 
in the 1890s. Tents that were filled with thousands of people, 25,000 or so was a big crowd in those days. And so she came in and received, because of Azusa Street, or at least the impact of that, received the uh, the infilling where the power of the Holy Spirit and the and the gifts of the Spirit would begin to be manifest. Then she took that on into great healing campaigns. Now, the point I'm bringing out here is the evolution of revelation. The evolution of revelation. God gives us a seed. And then that begins to evolve into what we understand today. So they took that, they took that um, <clears throat> Holy Spirit in Azusa Street. They took it into some more development. Now, unfortunately, sad to say because of the human condition, it gets stuck in a rut or gets sidetracked. One of the things that happened, which was just a so sad and so un, ungodly was as soon as you know you know the uh, Seymour uh, Pastor Seymour who was the leader of the Azusa Street mission was a black man and his congregation was mostly black because there was a pretty good segregation thing going on then and so when when Azusa Street came and they were flooded by you know the world, that that changed. That became mixed. I mean, the, the every color of skin came in from around the world to be impacted by Azusa Street. Well, it wasn't long after that when they separated that they separated their churches. So we have we had the Black Church, the Church of God in Christ that rose up, and then we had the Assemblies of God and other Pentecostal, you know, separated divisions that came along. That hindered and really crippled what God had in mind for the for the Spirit of God to spread around the world. Now, what does he do then? Well, he regroups and he begins to work on that again. And lo and behold, 75 years later, you know, we begin to merge again in the charismatic movement or Maybe some other things I'm skipping over. Now, I say that so that you can see that when we talk about grace today, there is a, a unfolding revelation of how wonderful and powerful it is. I was raised in Pentecost in the 40s, 50s, 60s. So we weren't really that far away from 06 in years and development, yet we were locked into a kind of a quasi-works attitude. You had to do things to please God. You had to be good to please God. You had to pray hard. You had to, you know, work hard. That's works. Now, grace says that we have the enabling power of God to do the work of God. And grace also says that he has given us all things richly to enjoy and that we can say and do and be, and there's all kinds of wonderful releases when we understand the empowering work of the grace of God. So let's not run off the end of the dock with 
some of our theology and say that because I have grace, I can sin. You know, I can do evil deeds. I can be fornicating. I can steal and lie and cheat. No, no, no. We're not. Like Paul said, don't do that. He said, all things are all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. Now, what does that mean? There's, <laughs> this is not Bible language. It's just me. It's just hot rod language. If you want to have a speedy car, you don't put things in its way. <laughs> How's that for translating that, that, uh, that biblical scripture? It's not expedient. You're not going to be speeding down the road toward God's victory. If you're going to do those things, it's going to hinder you and stop you. And at some point, at some point that I'm not even, I'm not even going to attempt at some point, the enemy can take advantage of that and really ruin your life. Now, the grace of God gives us the power to overcome that. One of the things that is very important when we're developing revelation is to stay humble and to not be boasting in how much we know and what God's given us. I have encountered in my journey a number, a score maybe, of breakthroughs where I had something that was fresh and not many people around me maybe, you know, I didn't think they knew it. The temptation, especially in the young days, the younger days when you're just a you know, in your teens or 20s, and I'm going to show them, I've got this. And what happens, it becomes our, we're proud of having something nobody else has. Now, did I get away with that very long? No, <laughs> no. because God deals with us. He brings chastisement in the way that he can to bring us back to our humility because it is he that gives us he's the one that gives us wisdom revelation insight and truth we are a vessel yes and we thank god that we have been chosen as one of those holy vessels and particular peculiar vessels but what do we do we stay humble and humility is not timidity Humility is not, oh, golly, gee, chucks, you know, gee whiz, oh, kick your, kick your feet in the dust and look down. No, no, that's, um, <clears throat> that's human, you know, that's the human side of humility where you're trying to look sorrowful. Amen. I remember in the early days when uh, Kenneth Copeland was really knocking the doors off of the teaching of faith after Kenneth Hagin had laid the foundation for it in the 60s. Well, actually he started before that, but he began to print and publish in the 60s and 70s. And then Kenneth Copeland came along and others. There's a number of others, but uh, he, he got accused of being a braggart and boastful <laughs> and egotistical because he was bold in his declaration of what he believed the word said. He, they read him like they wanted to and that you can't help that. People are going to say and do what they, what they think. Don't let it affect your walk with God. Amen. <laughs> I remember uh, I was 17 
and I was leading songs, as we said in those days, worship, we'd call it now, in our, uh, in our revival center in Sacramento, California. We had, we had a, uh, we had church every day and then on Sunday, church every night, then on Sunday, revival center, that's what you called it. And we did that for two years. I led worship and one Sunday, a young man accused me of being, you know, proudful because I was up there waving my arms and singing. You know, that <clears throat> that took me a while to get over because I didn't understand what I'm talking to you about. I heard someone criticize me and I took it to heart. Now, what I mean I took it to heart, it hurt my heart. It hurt my emotions, hurt my spirit because I thought, well, I don't want to be proudful. What I was doing was in the Holy Ghost or in the anointing, I was being bold and I was leading and I was being, you know, the force of the Holy Ghost was coming forth. It wasn't just my ego. I had to take a while to learn that. So as I developed, I was able to stand in the power of the spirit and not worry about how people read me. Bold, strong, tough. <laughs> when you're standing in that spot of declaring the word of God, if it's in your home as a father or a mother, or if it's in the pulpit as a communicator of Christ, let the boldness of heaven come out. Now, you don't have to do it with volume, even though I <laughs> I like volume. I've, I've come out of the background of camp meetings and tent meetings and street meetings where you had to lift your voice up and say something. Now, you can, you can say it quietly. The power is in the spirit. Amen. Well, okay, so we're talking about grace and mercy. Grace and mercy. The two-punch knockout gift from God. Mercy seals the past. Seals the past. Well, we're having uh, a lot of interesting revelations in our governmental world, aren't we? Just this week, again, the government has a lot of secrets that they have captured and they're leaking them out. They're putting them out, you know, and telling people what's there. What's that all about? A leaky government. God doesn't leak your sins. <laughs> he doesn't leak your sins. Amen. Well, you may have a you may have an old drinking buddy that talks about you. Or you may have a gossiping Christian that hadn't been, you know, sanctified and that talks about you. Tell your past sins. No. No, 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 no. God doesn't leak. Mercy covers. And that doesn't come up again. Now, what do we do with our soul that needs to be redeemed from that? We cut loose, really send in <laughs> The shock troop of grace. I mean, send them into that soul area and just allow the grace of God to baptize your emotions, your memory, your temperament, your character in the grace of God and let the dynamics of the enabling power of Christ 
come over you because of grace and let the boldness of the Lord declare that I have been redeemed and that thing is gone and I no longer am affected and infected. <laughs> you work that word out. By the past, the temptations, the fears, the bondages, the memories, the stain, all that's covered by mercy. Well, we know it's the blood of Jesus, isn't it? The blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanseth us from all sin. So let the mercy of God apply the blood of Jesus. And you watch your temperament, your emotions, and your mind, and your memory change. Hallelujah. Well, this has been Sunday night, and I'm going to tell you I love you, and I'm going to ask you again to continue to pray and send your blessings our way. We love that. And we return it back to you and thank you for your giving, for your prayers, for your good comments to us. Some of you have made some comments in the last few weeks that have just stirred my heart and fired me up. Thank you for that. Amen. I don't read the bad ones, by the way. <laughs> you say, why not? Well, I don't need to hear bad reports. I want to hear good reports. Amen. <laughs> All right, well, and if God's nudging you to send us a financial blessing, you can do that through PayPal or the address below. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Monday morning is coming quickly. Just in a few hours, we'll be there bright and early talking about the good things of the Lord. Come by and see us again. And if you're stopping by on Sunday nights only, we'll see you next week. But until then, be blessed. Remember that God is in control and he will never, never, never stop being God. <laughs> Isn't that something? He will always continue to be the one that you have desired in your heart. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Just a moment now. Let's pray. Father. We are amazed at the mercy of God. And we take a moment to reflect on how wonderful it is to have forgiveness and the cleansing and the covering of sin and even the memory, Lord. Thank you for grace that gives us the power to go through difficult times, temptations, fears, storms. The grace of God enables us to go forward. Thank you for that. And I just release a fresh revelation to these that have been with me. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. We will see you. And when we do, we will rejoice. God bless you.